Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guests are Rob Santos and Rory Henry of Arrowroot Family Office. And family office is going to be something I want to talk about, what that means. <laughs> but family office, because I have an idea in my head what it means, but I'm thinking that, 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 that Rob's going to give me a definition that maybe changes the way I'm looking at this. So Rob and Rory are our guests today. Rob is founder of Arrowroot. He has over 20 years of financial experiences working with institutions, companies, entrepreneurs, Arrowroot is a boutique wealth management firm working with a wide range of international and domestic clients to provide customized and specialized investment and family office services. And Rory has over 15 years experience working both in tax and financial advisory services. He is also co-host of a podcast called AFO Wealth Management Forward, which is for the accounting and finance uh, industries. Together, they also have another business that they work on, AFO Wealth Management, that is an educational program created to allow accounting firms to integrate wealth management services into their practices with ease. There's a lot more things they're doing. There's a lot <laughs> more things that I want to talk about at some point. Um, actually, some charitable work, too, that we'll, we'll work in here that they're doing. But first, that's enough. Rob, Rory, welcome to the Unique CPA. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us, Randy. That was quite the introduction. Yeah, I, yeah. So everybody knows I stumbled through that a lot. <laughs> when you hear it, it'll sound much better than than what Rob and Rory just heard. But we have great editors, so so that's that's good. And I told these guys at the start we need to do some laughing, so yeah. we're starting off with laughing already, which is nice. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> so we got that out of the way immediately. Look at us. I we're love it, Randy. Well, let me ask you this: because you let off the intro, what is your definition, or what do you believe a family office is? Oh, wow. See, you are a podcast host. You're already turning this on me. Nice. I like it. Yeah, it's like when Howard Stern goes on Letterman and then he just takes over the, the podcast. I'm sorry. I'll, no, no, no. You do that all day. I am completely fine with that. In fact, I honestly like being a guest more than I like being a host. And, I, and I'm, I'm very fortunate I get to be a guest on a lot of podcasts. Oh, I, see, I'm the other way around. I like hosting and asking questions in, in, instead of being the guests, Randy. Well, it's probably because my ego's bigger than years and so when i'm the guest i feel i feel it's around me so maybe that maybe that's i'm psychoanalyzing myself right now that might be part of my problem we'll have to work on that uh, i love it All right. we'll do a psychoanalytical podcast next time on ours <laughs> that's right we'll we'll team up we'll get that going all right so my definition of family office so when i think of family office what i first i think of is you know you've got this generational wealth you know at least billions dollar, you know, family assets, the Waltons, the Pritzkers, they have their family office and we have people just working there on what their investments are and what their needs are financially from an insurance standpoint and everything else. That's what I think of family office. I think that's different than what your definition of family office. And I think, Rob, do you, do you want to give us what that definition is? Yeah, sure. So you hit it, I think, as far as what people perceive the definition of a family office, which is historically it's been the wealthiest families, multi-generational that have essentially said, we have so much money. Why are we outsourcing all of this stuff? Let's bring it in house to make this more efficient. And we can be able to do the things we want to do 
We can be able to get reporting in the way that we want to do it. We can have staff it the way that we want to staff it and operate our family business, our legacy, everything else that's needed as a top priority, as opposed to outsourcing it to multiple firms where you might be one of a handful of very, very wealthy people. Right. The way that we're using the family office model definition is really in tandem with the software and technological revolution that we're all living in, right? And so for accounting professionals, we've seen this in our industry on the on the accounting side. We're, we're feeling it in a lot of different ways. And the reality of what a family office really is today is that people don't need to be mega, mega wealthy in order to have a lot of these needs be serviced um, by a single firm. And the increases in technology, the increases in uh, broad partnerships across service providers in a compliant and secure manner is providing folks like Airroot Family Office, as well as a lot of accounting professionals uh, who may or may not be listening to this podcast, to provide that family office experience to their clients. Now, there's a lot of ability there to niche it, right? Uh, we only work with these kind of large families or doctors or you know something like that. But we built Airroot Family Office on the belief that we can service this family office model in a more bespoke, tailored way to clients uh, that are ultra-affluent all the way down to, you know, average regular people, nurses, teachers, they deserve great financial advice as well. The real trick there is being able to provide those services that are most impactful to those different groups of clients. And so, you know, we were chatting kind of before the podcast here. It's our belief that the absolute best CFO, and we use CFO as the chief family officer instead of the chief financial uh, officer, the absolute best chief family officer of the future is going to come from the accounting industry. Okay. You know, folks in this industry are so heavily involved in the daily life of their families and have so much data. And then last but not least, are incredibly intelligent people. And so there's no better suited chief family officer than accounting professionals. And that's what we really focus on, uh, on working with accounting professionals that want to start incorporating a part, not all of that family office service model, but a section of that to start increasing what in the accounting profession is just advisory services or people advisory to use all of these other flash terms. You know, that's where we really believe the future is and where there's a tremendous amount of opportunity and excitement to be able to work towards. So, so your main go to market, if that's the right term, is CPA firms or tax preparers or accountants. Is that right? I wasn't sure. I didn't know that. Yeah, no. So our AFO Wealth Management Forward Program is focused in a similar way that we think that these broader financial services should not just be for the ultra-affluent. Right. We also think that these these using AFO Wealth Management Forward as a potential family office engine to power some of these accounting practices, we also think that not just the largest firms are the ones that should be using it. And by the way, they're very large, you know, the larger accounting practices, 10, $20 million a year accounting practices are doing things like this already through solicitor relationships and wealth management firms. 
And we certainly think that is exciting and wonderful, but we don't think that this is only for them. Mm-hmm. This is something that, you know, all the way down to a single practitioner um, has the ability to start incorporating maybe not the whole suite of packages, but certainly a subset of those advisory practices today. And a lot of this, you know, from the large firms down to the small firms have had traditionally really awful experiences with that. Uh, you know, either using a very large wealth management firm that's kind of cookie cutter and the reporting is awful and the person they're stuck with is awful and the, and the communication is difficult. The world has changed and has changed dramatically in the last five years. And so the opportunity both for the large firms and the smaller firms to start incorporating a lot of this tremendous software and, and partnerships that are available in the marketplace in a compliant, transparent, and value-additive way, and also in a way that doesn't require them to be an absolute expert in everything, right, is never been greater than it has been today. So, you know, our AFO Wealth Management Forward program focuses with accountants and accounting professionals of, of all sizes. All right. I think that's huge, and I want to expand on that. But before I do that, let me ask, because you talked about this, you know, you know, menu of services. I don't know if you use that term. And and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, financial advisory services. But what in addition are is this menu of services that you you offer and you're allowing through the AFO Wealth Management Forward program the CPAs to offer? Sure. So um, for a lot of the accounting uh, professionals that we work with, we try to focus on the lowest hanging fruit. And some of that is around retirement advisory services. So SEP IRAs, traditional IRAs, but also the corporate 401ks. So because Airroot Family Office is a registered investment advisory firm, you know, we can be able to do advisory on these corporate 401k plans, defined benefit plans as fiduciaries, and do a lot of the heavy lifting there on the compliance side, the advisory side. And those accounting firms that are working with this in a fully disclosed manner, are able to share in that advisory fee. The client isn't getting a higher cost uh, type fee, but what it does is it allows the accountant to step into that advisory role from their tax and compliance expertise uh, fashion and get much deeper, meaningful relationships and build better trust, both with the executives and the employees of their of those company firms that they're they're working with. That seems to be a very low-hanging fruit. But if you go past that, there's financial planning and financial advisory that a lot of accountants are starting from the tax planning side to move over into a financial planning side really requires maybe some partnerships and sharing of some software solutions. So we're seeing that as kind of the next step. But it also incorporates things like life insurance. You know, uh, we are, again, we are an RIA, we're a fiduciary, so we don't get commission, right? But there are wonderful solutions out there. There are non-commission life insurance solutions that are available to people of all net worths that they can start to incorporate into their practice. Estate planning. You know, we've talked to a lot of accounting professionals that say the corporate 401k and the retirement advisory sounds great because we work with a lot of CEOs and business owners but we want to do some more business advisory for them, right? So more kind of future-facing financial uh, planning for the business and make that part of, of the solution. And, and that naturally starts to gravitate towards if they want to sell that company, right? So we can help to make affiliations with people to help them to eventually advise their clients or help guide them towards 
a place to help them sell those businesses down the road. And a big, a big aspect here is that if CPAs or accounting professionals want to do this work themselves and charge an advisory fee, they would need to become an RIA themselves, okay. which is burdensome from a compliance standpoint. By joining something like AFO Wealth Management Forward, they're essentially coming under our compliance umbrella. There may be some licensing that they may need to do, which shouldn't be all that difficult, for, especially for people that have taken the CPA exam. But they're essentially underneath that umbrella already. And all the, you know, the real focus that they need to do after entering the program is how can they best understand to present these opportunities to their clients and then really become a team member either with Arrowroot Family Office or another RIA. We'll advise folks if they want to do this with another RIA or wealth management uh, firm to really deepen client relationships, increase recurring uh, revenue, high gross margin recurring revenue in an effective and timely manner to move away from backward-facing compliance work and towards future-facing advisory work. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, you know, obviously we all know it, we all hear it, you know, CPA firms are even just rebranding as advisory firms, you know, or at least calling themselves advisory yeah. firm, whatever level of advisory it is, whether it's, you know, client advisory services, whether it's investment services, whether it's HR services, that they're they're getting into all these other areas. And I think this is a, a huge one to be part of. And, you know, I deal with CPAs and I, you know, Tax preparers, I always say CPAs, but tax preparers, whatever, you know, EAs, tax preparers, CA, CPAs, all the time. And and many of them have told me, you know, our financial advisory services ends up being a better, bigger revenue stream than, than our tax and accounting services. You know, yeah. they're deep into it. They've been into it a long time, but it's, I mean, it's, it's an annuity sitting out there that... Ends up being nice for the firm. All right, that was my that was my commentary. Now I have a question. <laughs> All right. So we said before we started this, you know, I came out of public accounting. I still support the public accounting industry with specialty tax, but I was managing partner of a firm. We tried adding, you know, financial services to our business twenty years ago. I was awful at doing it. There's a theme of sometimes if you listen to this podcast, there's things I'm bad at. And, <laughs> and that was, uh, that was one of them. It just, I didn't put the effort into it, but I'm thinking right now, if I'm a CPA that I want to start to do this, am I going zero to a hundred immediately? Or are there levels of service that you can offer to kind of ease them into it and get to different you know places that they want to be? Yeah. Yeah. We, we always say, just get started one. And, and I always say, Randy, how you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And that's what the beauty of our program is, is a team-based model. So you can work with a wealth manager and piecemeal this along and work with your clients so you don't have to gain that expertise right out of the gate. Uh, this team-based model, having a CPA, having a financial work together with a client, the client loves it. CPA loves it because they get that financial advisory uh, aspect and the financial advisor loves it because they can get those tax efficient strategies. So, you know, we always talk about lowest hanging fruit, those corporate 401ks, maybe doing some light financial planning. And we always talk with CPAs and say, hey, just get uh, a demo done or work with us in, someone, in regards to some of these softwares out there. I know, Rob, we, we, we do Asset Map is one of uh, the providers we use that is a simplified uh, software technology that puts a holistic financial plan uh, in one page. And it simplifies the process from estate planning to insurance to cash flow. 
Uh, so getting involved with some of these software providers and working with someone like Airroot or another wealth manager is really doing this uh, one step at a time. But we always say just getting started. And a lot of this, uh, the issues we have is is the mindset issues, is not believing you can do it. I listened to uh, our friend Joe Woodard, Randy, on an Intuit podcast, hmm. and he talked about the two conflicts that that are arising out of uh, CPAs is the internal and external conflicts, the internal, that imposter syndrome of believing I, I can't do this, right? And so we've kind of taken that internal conflict and helped CPAs out by saying, hey, you can team up with a financial advisor as you incorporate this into your business. And then I think what Joe was talking about with the external conflict is that image out there of I'm a CPA, I do compliant tax work, you know, I don't want to present myself as something else right. uh, besides that in the marketplace. But when you're working with a, with a team-based model and a wealth management partnership like Air Family Office, we can take on that external uh, marketing piece that people feel comfortable with. That's great. And that's what I was thinking is the whole, what you kind of just addressed is that that external struggle of, hey, my independence, am, yeah. I, am I advising them to do this? Does it look wrong? But the bottom line is the CPA, the tax repair always well, this is how I look at it, has the client's uh, best interest at, at heart. And so I, I think that's great. Thanks. And I was hoping we would get you to talk before too long, too. So it was nice to get you into this. Um, the, the, uh, I might start just firing <laughs> questions away, Randy. You Watch can, out. <laughs> you can do that. I'm completely fine with that. What I want to go to, it was something Rob said, and it was pretty interesting because this is top of mind for me. Uh, right now, and everybody sees what's going on in, in our industry, but every industry, M&A work going on right now. It's just, you know, it's it's everywhere. So you had mentioned, and before I even get into the question I had, you had mentioned there's a lot of M&A going on in just the RIA space. And so tell me more about that. What's going on? Because I haven't heard that. And how is that affecting CPAs? Yeah. Yeah. So Robin can go into what we're doing on the M&A side, but I, I interviewed, Robin, I interviewed Charles Paycart of Barron's and the Family Wealth Report. And he is uh, talking about this RIA out of Canada called CI Financial. And they have acquired 30 US firms, Randy, wow. in the course of two years. They have over $133 billion in assets under management. Uh, so they're scooping up uh, RIAs left and right. And then I just had Bob Lewis from the Visionary Group on the podcast last week, and he talked about uh, how he's getting inquiries um, from RIAs to buy accounting firms. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, an interesting aspect because he's talking about what our program is about is that uh, marrying that tax planning uh, with the wealth management. So we're seeing this consolidation uh, from the big players out there. Um, and we uh, always talk about increasing the enterprise value of your firm by adding wealth management services. Um, so if those CPAs out there are looking to sell here in the next, you know, two, five, ten years, you know, why not add this uh, service line, increase the enterprise enterprise value of your firm, so you look more attractive when you're looking to sell. Yeah, I think that's we we uh, recently added. So I, I'm big on education. I know you are as well. And we just added a new webinar series, and this will be a monthly webinar on practice management for CPAs. And and so one of those, the first one was building a sustainable and transferable firm. And when we say transferable, it's not M&A transferable. We want you to build a sustainable firm that's transferable to the next generation of leaders within your firm. And this is the theme we're gonna keep building on, not only transferable, but that growth. 
growth through financial services, adding adding Arrowroot to, yeah. uh, services now to what you're doing. That growth and being more of an advisory. I'm I'm big on the adding advisory everywhere. Don't be a reporter of what happened. Be an advisor. Affect what's going to happen with your your clients. So I think all that's giant. What I was getting to before that is. Um, so M&A, Rob, you had mentioned, you know, what if a client, you know, wants to sell their business? One, before I even ask the question is, well, having these financial services now in place, you now are not only, you're going to maybe lose a tax client, you're maybe going to lose an accounting client, but you just gained an investment client because they're going to take this money and they're going to invest it with yeah. you. But how do you advise on M&A? Do you have some, you, you mentioned you can, you can get people involved, do you have connections in this space or are you personally this space? Yeah. So um, both. Um, we actually, through another affiliate uh, here at Airroot, have Airroot Advisors, which is an M&A advisory practice. Um, it's mostly focused on software and technology, but it, it can go into other industries um, as well. And so there is the ability for accountants to be compensated for partnering up with M&A advisory uh, folks as well, both through our program and, and outside of that as well you hit the nail right on the head. That may be a very large one-time uh, fee if the transaction actually comes through. However, if you can be able to get in there, do some tax planning with that entrepreneur or that business owner before they start thinking about selling their business to make it the most tax efficient, um, that is a very great way to build that trust, to go into future-facing advisory for their wealth management, for their family, because it touches estate planning, it touches a, a lot of different aspects of their life. And this isn't a new business model. You know, <laughs> investment banks, Goldman Stanley, Goldman Sachs, uh, Merrill Lynch, everyone has been doing this model and, and advising entrepreneurs, both large and small, to sell their practice and then you know walk them over to their uh, you know asset management group, but. It's a tremendous uh, opportunity uh, for accounts that are working, you know, with with business owners that are thinking about selling. And I want to just go back really quickly to your comment, sure. Randy, about M and A in the wealth management space, but also in the accounting space, because I think this touches to a really key issue that we run into with a lot of accounting professionals, which is a fear that if they were to enter a program such as AFO Wealth Management Forward or a solicitor's agreement uh, relationship with another wealth management firm, they may turn off a lot of referrals that they're getting from wealth management firms. And one thing that we point to is that that referral relationship may be great. We send you some clients, you send us some clients. But what we want to be clear with is the accounting professional is getting the raw end of the deal here. Uh, <laughs> we always joke that we're overpaid and, and the accounting <laughs> professional is underpaid. The, you know, the uh. accounting professional is getting a transactional, a transactional um, low gross margin client that they have to fight for and work for every single year. Yep. It may be sticky, but it's not recurring. It's yep. not high gross margin. For in exchange, a client that is high gross margin growing, uh, hopefully, if the advisor's uh, good enough uh, with market and, and, and proper planning. And you're seeing this, to bring it back to the M&A conversation, in the multiples in which accounting firms are being purchased and RIAs are being purchased. And the, the multiple difference between those two types of businesses is dramatically different. I'm not going to quote what that is. <laughs> people can Google it and research it. But if, you know, the amount that people are paying for firms, accounting practices that are compliance work versus an RIA that has high gross margin recurring revenue is, is 
is life changing. Yep. And so, you know, we're, we tell accounting professionals, we understand this. It doesn't mean it will turn off uh, that relationship. You're 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 aligning your interest with that wealth manager that you are sending referrals back back and forth. It's going to incentivize you to send them more um, if they're doing a good job for their clients. But if that, in effect, is turning off a potential engine, the the growth potential of taking on this advisory practice, in particular in the wealth management advisory practice, should greatly outweigh the losses of those one-time backward-facing compliance yep. uh, folks. And we see it all the time. People get some success, a very large corporate 401k plan that maybe matches the total revenue of their firm in the last year. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And they get a little taste of that and they think, boy, I don't, I don't want to do compliance work anymore. Right. Oh, I can see that. I, I unfortunately think, and not everybody, but I think there is a mindset in public accounting at times that they're not running a business. They're just doing their work and their firm is a business. And I think this is things like this are great business decisions to, to help them build that sustainable firm. Going back to the, going back to my webinar series, I'm just promoting now. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that that's for it. sure. Yeah, we might have to get you guys on one of the uh, on one of the monthly webinars, and and you could discuss this uh, topic. Um, I think that would go Ooh, well with it. practice I management. I love it. And I also want to bring up too, because uh, back to my interview with Bob Lewis over the Visionary Group, he's talking about uh, there's one out of every two firms that have ten million or more that are asking to buy uh, non-accounting practices. So buying software companies, buying cybersecurity companies buying medical practices. So it looks like we're increasingly getting towards this flywheel effect, Randy, uh, that we're moving towards more of an Amazon or uh, or Facebook or a meta model, where you're basically offering clients a, a, a number of different services in a flywheel effect that makes things more efficient and uh, lowers the cost to the end yeah. user. No, I think so, and 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 increases the the profitability of the the firm at the same time, and continues to service their clients as best as they, you know, possibly can, being yeah. that advisor. So I agree. So Bob Lewis keeps coming up. You've twice today talked to someone else today. I've known Bob Lewis for fifteen years. I've, I I think I or sixteen years now. I've known Bob Lewis <laughs> before he was Bob Lewis, and I don't know how he became Bob Lewis that he is today. Um, <laughs> what was he before Bob Lewis? <laughs> uh, he uh, he. When we started Trimera fifteen years ago, he put together our folders that just said Trimera on the cover and designed that, and our one sheet. You know, not even PDFs at the time, just our hard copy one sheet marketing materials that he wrote. And that's what he was doing. It was just, you know, marketing work for us and other CPAs. And it's just amazing to see what he's done now because, Bob, I run into him all the place. And I love Bob. He's great. He's been on the podcast as well. But uh, it's just so nice to see the way he's expanded his reach in uh, public accounting. So that was the that was the Bob I knew. And when I showed up on my radar three or four years ago, I'm going, wait, <laughs> this is the same Bob Lewis? I had no idea he was doing this stuff. So, yeah. So, so Bob, you know, congrats. You're doing a great job. I don't know if he listens to the show. If he doesn't, I'm going to yell at him. We're big fans, Bob. <laughs> All right. So let's. That'll be one of the CPE questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what did Bob Lewis do back in the day for trying to. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and honestly, one of my, uh, my parents' family friends when I was growing up was working for Bob at the time. That's how I got introduced to him. I mean, you know, this was somebody I knew since I was five years old that was uh, working with Bob at the time. Um, and Bob and I are two miles apart where we live. 
Well, let me ask you this, Randy. Yeah. Who have you not had on your podcast that you want to have on? <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to quote a name in a second, and I've never reached out to her, but I want to have Kimberly Ellison Taylor on the podcast. So I'm going to reach out to her okay. soon. Um, so so she, I, I want to have Chuck Reddick on the podcast, you know, IRS commissioner. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we have reached out to him. I'm not sure that'll happen, but uh, Chuck, maybe after you retire, <laughs> if you want to come on, I'd be more than happy. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, one of my lifetime goals was to have Rob Santos and Rory Henry on, and so now that's been accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> that's been yeah, nice. Check it off the list. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, there's some definitely some other people out there I'd like to have on the podcast. All right. And the reason I just mentioned Kimberly Ellison Taylor. Yeah, because I, 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 I love podcasting because I believe it's a great medium for us to collaborate, communicate, do business yep. in the future. I think uh, every business out there should have a podcast. It's a, it's better than cold calling, right? Uh, yep. I have a podcast. I'm on the Unique CPA because I myself have a podcast. Yes. So I think every business out there should be doing it. It allows you to have, uh, uh, you're disclosing information about yourself. Yeah, the dopamine's uh, uh, working in the brain. Uh, I like you better, uh, Randy, because I'm talking about my myself. I, I think it's just a wonderful way to communicate with people out there. So uh, my, my question is, who has the, been the best on your podcast? Who, who have you and what have you learned from them? Okay. I love all my guests. First, we are going to say that. And I honestly <laughs> do. They, they've all been, all my children. it's like, it's like my children, you know, there's not one different than the other or yeah. better than the other, but um, I've had some, a lot of fun and you know what? I've loosened up over the years. You know, I, at the beginning, I was probably not as much uh, loosey goosey and having fun, and and so they've gotten more fun. But yeah. I, I you know, one of the first ones I did was with Richard Culpeman, the managing partner of Aprio, uh, and and Aprio just in the time in the three years since we did our podcast, and I knew they were doing a lot of M and A work and and growing, and they've grown significantly. And Richard, I think, does an awesome job of managing that that practice. And one of the things I learned from him from day one when we started talking, and I knew him before we did the podcast. Mm-hmm. Was that you know the firm is his client. He doesn't have any you know client relationship responsibilities. His client is the firm, and you know a, a million dollar firm can't do that. A hundred million dollar firm can do so. So just that you know, I've learned something from every one of my guests. Learning that from him was huge. Lately, I had uh, Scott Scarano on. We had a great time. He's a um, host of the Sons of CPAs. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, I listened to that. He had, I t- Scott said something to me on LinkedIn. And he said, uh, I forget what he said. And I said, Scott, don't make me get Roy Williams on on my po- on my podcast because <laughs> he's a big Tar Heel fan. Yes, that's right. So yeah, he was good. I just I just interviewed both of the uh, I don't know if they're called partners or owners of on different podcasts of Acuity. Acuity is a really interesting business to see how they grew, how they manage it, how it's based on outbound sales, how it's so tech-based like you guys. And that was my next question for you was about technology, but that tech-based growth that they've done, that was so interesting. So I I enjoy all of them. As long as we're on that, how about you? We're going to ask you. Uh, fa- I know you love them all, but <laughs> I, favorite podcast. Yeah, I know. I, I love them all. Um, well, we uh, Bob obviously was a recent one that I liked. Uh, we had Warren Pennington on from Vanguard. He's the head of fintech strategies at Vanguard, seven yeah. trillion dollars yeah. uh, Vanguard, and he talked about sentiment analysis. So listening to earnings calls 
and finding out the sentiment of the CEOs and CFOs to find out if it's good or bad. So not just looking at a transcript, but listening to their voice and, and really finding out what's behind it. So I thought that was fascinating. Yep. And then I really enjoyed Dr. Daniel Crosby, who has a book called The Behavioral Investor. He's the chief behavioral officer at Orion Advisor Solutions, probably one of the largest wealth management technologies in the marketplace. And he talked about the three E's of behavior change, Randy. And those three E's are education, environment, and encouragement. Just because you have the education alone doesn't mean you will make the change. He talks about people who smoke, 13% of the general population smokes, 14% of doctors, 27% of nurses. You need that environment. So creating that environment, whether that's putting the shoes at the foot of the bed to make sure you go running in the morning or keeping the junk food out of the pantry to make sure you don't eat junk food. And lastly, the encouragement. So having that advisor, that personal trainer, that therapist uh, to coach you along, uh, I found those three E's fascinating and it applies many times to uh, behavioral finance uh, as well. Um, And then Donnie Shimamoto, I'm a big fan of Donnie, and he talks about not selling your services. What do you talk about? He talks about the three things he sells, which is, well, I don't know if we remember this, vision, clarity, and, and peace of mind. So he's really, you're really selling vision, clarity, and peace of mind. So those are just a couple that I enjoy. I love that. I'm stealing that. And I steal a lot of things from the podcast guests I have. Um, So I'm stealing that now as well. All right. So let's go a little bit further then. And that was a great interlude. (laughs) I love that conversation. Let's go into a little (laughs) bit. That's a palate cleanser. (laughs) Exactly. Boom. We got through that. Now let's go on to the next thing. And I just want to go back to this because, uh, Rob, you said at the beginning how these services are becoming a lot more technology-based. And so I want to talk about that. And I mentioned Kimberly Ellison Taylor. And, and the reason I mentioned her, one, I want her on the podcast, and she doesn't even know who the heck I am. So she's going to wonder, <laughs> why is this guy out there talking about me? But I would like her on. Um, I heard her on a podcast recently where I don't know if it was her data, but on the podcast, they talked about that two-thirds of people say they trust their money with robots or technology more than with humans, and that eight out of 10 think that automated tools are going to replace personal financial advisors. So now you're talking about this being tech-based. Tell me what that is and tell me how far you see this technology going. Well, do you want to give the tagline for our podcast, Rob? Yeah, our, our tagline is don't fight the robots, partner with them. Uh, <laughs> nice. you know, but the, uh, you know, the short answer to that is the genie is out of the bottle. The software, you know, it is, as Andreessen Horowitz said, software is kind of devouring the world. It's everywhere. Um, and that's not going backwards. You know, it's just getting better and better and better. What that means for, you know, the most important group of people we're talking about on this podcast, the consumer, what does this mean for the consumer? And the consumer is increasingly more comfortable with the technology interface less frightened by it, you know, even though we're hearing about crypto and cyber and everything, we are getting generations upon generation that are comfortable and understand that that's part of life now. The fintech world in itself saw sees this opportunity, knows this opportunity is coming. And their initial phase in the kind of early 2000s was, let's put the advisors and, and the accountants to the side. Let's just focus on the consumer. We're going to go directly to the source and we're going to build that relationship with the consumer. They spent tremendous amounts of money. Some of them have been relatively successful, but they stubbed their toe. And what they found was 
you can create a very intuitive tool that pops out an answer. You still need someone that is a human that can relate and have empathy and trust to explain what these numbers mean in a way that they understand, right? They need to be empathetic. They need to be culturally uh, aligned as well uh, to be able to communicate these things in a, in a valuable way to the clients. And so a lot of them, uh, one of our partners, Betterment, kind of sh- continues to do that on the consumer side, but realize, oh my gosh, this opportunity by partnering with the advisors to provide them with better tools, make the complex in a uh, e- more easily digestible and simple way to, to, to show to the advisors is a, an incredible path for us to do. And so I think that pressure on the, on the consumer side uh, is going to continue. However, the future opportunity there, as this has been with technologies throughout history, is those folks that can be able to be masters not of all software or all new technologies, but of some really important ones, are the ones that are going to ride that wave uh, and be successful in the future. And we're seeing it both on the accounting side and on the wealth management or family office side. The new generation of, of people that people are trying to hire Maybe that hungry kid that's going to cold call and go out there and get business, but increasingly it's people that are software savvy and have an understanding of how to be able to utilize some of these softwares in the best, best way. And folks that get, you know, look at that and face it directly and not, not be fearful of it are the ones that are going to be successful, regardless of where the technology ends up going, either directly to the consumer but we really believe that the life of a family office advisor that's holistic, that can focus on certain areas that people are really, really concerned about and are available to, you know, to relate and empathize and worry about them is something that the Rob robots haven't figured that out yet. Yep. I mean, they've got a long way to go uh, to get there. Uh, yeah. you know, if you still ask Amazon to order you eggs, you might end up still getting 12 umbrellas. You know, they, they haven't got there yet, but they will at some point. Yep. Rob, why do we have 12 umbrellas in the refrigerator? <laughs> yeah, you know? And I think also the one other point is I think that as these giant technology firms, giant private equity firms yeah. are doing these mass consolidations or building these giant platforms that are sharing data and know everything about you. And we've read about the effects of both of those parties using that in ways to get more money out of you, right? I think increasingly the consumer has shown over the last 20 years that they still want to work with that trusted regional close advisor you know and i think they are still hesitant towards giving everything to an amazon or an apple uh-huh. to manage everything that has to affect their financial uh, lives and their 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 family so i think you know, they're only getting bigger. And I don't necessarily think that getting bigger is going to be the best solution uh, for the consumer. Um, I think that there's still there's still a tremendous opportunity for people for that relationship-based smaller company, you know, smaller than Apple still could be a $20, $30 million company. But I think that consumers gravitate towards towards some of that. And I think they're going to continue to. And Rory, did you, were you adding something there? Yeah, no, I just want, yeah, I think people, I think in the end, people want to ensure that these complex decisions um, are um, being made with confidence. And I, I think they need an advisor to to help them guide those decisions. So, and then just 
piggybacking kind of what on Rob said about the technology, you know, just to give a little a nugget of information, if you're a firm out there and you're advising people maybe on estate planning, there's some great technologies out there that have allowed us to offer estate planning in a, in a seamless process. Two of them, Trust and Will, uh, one is a venture back. They're both venture back, but Trust and Will is the turbo tax of estate planning. Uh, you can do a will, I think, for $149. Wow. I think a trust is $600. And they can do that from the comfort of their own, own home. So, you know, they, they've uh, put the power of a, a full estate planning attorney in, in, in the form of software. So, you know, if you're looking to provide your clients with an estate plan, that's, that's a great technology. Vanilla is another one for high-end complex estate planning. They put beautiful presentations put that, that give you um, – that give you uh, uh, advice as far as uh, estate planning. Yeah, I think that obviously technology is not going away. Technology is just going to take over more and more. I can't even imagine the the level of technology in the future. But there's certain things, and Rob, you said it, and, and Rory, I think you as well. There's just certain things that technology by itself can't do. You need the advisor still, you're saying. Like for us, with you know what we do, six different services. One of them's a you know pick one R and D tax credits. I can automate, I can leverage technology on certain parts of that. I don't think there's an AI program out there. Can I, can I look at a client's projects and see if they meet a four-part test to qualify for the credit? Right. They can get everything else that around that. And, and maybe, and like I said, I can't imagine everything that's going to happen in the future. Maybe there's a way, but I still see us needed. I see financial advisors needed and that hopefully we never lose that you know personal touch on things as well. Yeah. All right. With that being said, we are going way over. We're, we're, we're at a good length for now. I only have to have one episode for Earmark. I don't have to lump two together, uh, which is for everybody listening. You probably know, but uh, Earmark is our podcast is released later where you can get free CP by listening for the, to the podcast. So we're going to close with a couple questions. I think we'll, we'll, we'll finish up on, I think there's a great finish up on technology and how they'll be involved and how the advisor is still needed. I do want to give you an opportunity to talk about goal setter for a few minutes, because that sounds like a really cool yeah. program that you've put together. Yeah. So we partner up with goal setter and it is a technology that is teaching financial literacy in a fun and engaging way. Uh, the founder is Tanya Van Court. She's a female African-American fintech founder. She's partnered with uh, the NFL Players Association, NBA Players Association. She's done initiatives with them. Uh, she has actors like Anthony Anderson that are stakeholders, and she has uh, gamified the financial literacy experience. So her technology uh, is an education banking platform as well as an investment platform. So think Robinhood, and you can teach kids financial literacy topics through memes and pop culture. Uh, she has, you know, how do you pay your bills, bills, bills? And she has Beyonce <laughs> with a GIF putting out money out there. So it's 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 a great way to, to get your kids uh, engaged in understanding the, the finance 101 um, and set them up for success in the future. And we're working with Fortune 1000 companies to donate stock to help kids in underserved communities gain a pathway to financial freedom. So actually giving them access to the technology as well as funds in, in an account that they can invest with parental uh, oversight. Is there a place you can direct people to go get more information on that? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you could download the uh, Goal Center apps. Just go to the App Store, uh, the Google Play or, or Apple App Store, and, and you could put uh, Goal Center in there and download the app. It's it's fun and engaging. I know families love it. I love it. Um, and it's a, a great way to uh, work with kids in financial literacy. That's great. And get them money. We're actually working with Goal Center and a lot of large 
corporate supporters um, who are making this as part of their uh, employee benefit package, but are also donating shares and capital to fund these accounts for a million children throughout the United States. And all of the research has shown that just by opening a checking account, funding it actually at the little as $50 actually increases dramatically the ability of that child to go on, earn a you know, undergraduate uh, degree um, and have higher earn, earning capacity later in life. So we think it's exceptionally uh, important and, and exciting and, you know, the right thing to do. So yep. it's uh, it's really been great. Well, that goes back to education and, and I think financial literacy is, is huge. And so I really applaud you for that. And I'm going to have to look into that more myself. So thank you for that. So I actually, I don't know if you guys are familiar with John Garrett, but I uh, talked to him. I talked to him all the time. Good friend. And he's the author of the book, What's Your And? And John, I was doing this before I had John on as a guest, but I told him every single time <laughs> I ask people what their passions are outside of work, I have to say, I didn't steal this from John Garrett. So this was just yesterday I talked to him. I said, John, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put a link after every episode that says to get a copy of John's book and <laughs> look at the show notes. So I'm going to end this with, I'm not going to use his term because my term has always been, you know, uh, hey, this has been great. You guys have done a great job educating me and I think the listeners as well. But... This is not all you do. What do you do for fun? What's your passions outside of work? What do you enjoy doing when you're not uh, uh, working with financial services? Go ahead, Rory. You have more fun than me. <laughs> uh, well, I think mine's easy. It's yes and. Uh, so that's improv. I do improv. Uh, I'm a glutton for punishment, Randy. I like to go on stage and make a fool of myself with with other people. Uh, I, I love it. It's just it's a fun uh, way to just let loose and play like a kid again. Yep. Improv is just playing. It's just like play as a kid and you, and you make believe. So you get a, a suggestion from the audience member and you just make up worlds and you laugh and you have fun and it's active listening. You can, you could apply so much of the improv uh, techniques and, and tools to real life saying yes. And to life, you know what? Yes. And how can I help you? And yes. And let's go yeah, on a trip. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big believer in improv. I think if everybody did improv, uh, our, our world be, would be healthier and more fun. So that's my yes. And hobby. Uh, I love it. Yes. And Rob, what do you do? Yeah. You know, so, uh, and this ties back to our conversation, I think, which is, you know, we are very passionate about success and that doesn't necessarily mean financial, you know, for me personally, it's being able to have a good work balance to provide a great family life for my boys, my wife, you know, I'm, we are having this conversation. I am in the UK in Hampshire for two months. I'll be working while I'm, I'm out here. Uh, to be able to do nice. it. Um, and so, you know, those things are very important to me. And this ties into all of our conversations about why adding some of these advisory services is really important. We've talked about the monetary ability and why that's the better effect, but also just time, right? So all the accounting professionals that we speak to say, I want to spend more time with my wife and my kids. I want to have more ability to have you know, groups that I'm part of or charities that I'm a part of or boards that I'm a part of. I have these other passions that I've been telling myself I'm going to do someday. And I've never been able to do it because I've just been trying to do more and more and more and more compliance work. And so this shift on the advisory side also does a shift cultural wise, both for the accounting professionals and their firms and also for their clients um, to fill that void for success, whatever that ends up being. 
and that is something that I'm super, super passionate about uh, as well. And Thanks. our and has been a big differentiator for us to attract talent at Arrowroot, um, to attract partners in the accounting profession, um, and attract clients because clients don't want to work with someone that's 100% burned out and angry and unhappy either. Right? <laughs> I mean, they don't. Correct. And if they do, they're probably not the type of client that you want to work with anyway. So that's it. All right. Rob, I'll book it a flight to Australia. Just let you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nice. So it looks like you're probably past tea time right now uh, in the UK there, right? Uh, It's always tea time. Yeah. It's always tea time. All right. Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you for being part of this today. I had a lot of fun. We hit the goal of educating and we hit the goal of laughing. So this was a good podcast. It was wonderful. Thanks so much, Randy. Thank you so much, Randy. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about TriMerit, at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to your clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading-edge management techniques and styles.